0: Back for another day of Blue Jays Talk, a a cold day out here on the East Coast. The the first September day, I think we felt, where it's like, you know, gray and 15 degrees and just, you know, actually cold, so we didn't have to run the air conditioning today. So that was fun. Uh, (laughs) Actually busted out a sweater today, so that kind of... You know, another hint that the baseball season is almost complete, definitely for the Blue Jays. So, we are going to talk about completing the season series with Baltimore. And I'm going to miss Baltimore. It's been so much fun playing them this year just because of how bad they've been. And now they have a catcher who's hitting 212. And, like, dang, we suck. Just great. We're going to set up the uh, series finale later on in the podcast. And we're going to talk about the comedy of errors that occurred during last night's game. But as per usual on here, on this podcast, we're going to focus on the starting pitching to start. And going into last night, when we talked yesterday, said that Aaron Sanchez needed to assert himself early against a... Opponent that really Aaron Sanchez should be able to dominate. It did not go that way last night for Aaron Sanchez. He was not able to really do much. He left after four innings of work, gave up four runs. Only two of them were earned, but you could argue that on his throw. And we'll talk about the defense in last night's game. You could argue that he did earn at least one more of those runs gave up four hits, but walked three, only struck out one batter. So just a a subpar performance for Aaron Sanchez last night. And that was the sort of thing that, you know, Blue Jays fans were kind of worried about, like, would Aaron Sanchez be able to keep it up? And last night, the answer was no. And that is a problem for the Blue Jays. If he's going to go out there and continue to be inconsistent the way he's been pretty much all season. Now, I know last week we were just talking about, like, oh, great start against Boston. Oh, Aaron Sage is back. We do have to kind of temper that, and that's that's why I said yesterday he's trying to show he's still going to be that ace and can be paid like an ace it's performances like last night where he doesn't have control of his breaking stuff where he, he doesn't feel comfortable using his fastball all the time when batters are able to get the barrel on the ball, lift fly balls, lift, lift the ball into the outfield on him. That's when he has problems. And like, it it was just tough to, to watch that last night and watch him continue to struggle with his command that that's been the dominant issue for Sanchez and that he has been wasting pitches and losing batters and again last night the, his throwing errors weren't just limited to you know going to home it, it was just a rough rough performance to try and watch Aaron Sanchez get through that and that's something that he's going to have to work on in the offseason he's probably got one more start and it's likely going to come against Houston. So good luck with that, Aaron. Just, you know, try, try and be your best self going out there against, you know, the defending world series champions. But Sanchez was bailed out last night by a bullpen that didn't have to do a lot in the previous couple days. Thanks to the efforts of Thomas Pannon and Ryan Barucky going out there and being able to, deliver innings, which again the Blue Jays have had issues with all year. Like only Baltimore is worse at getting quality starts out of their pitchers. And they actually got a quality start last night from Dylan Bundy before, you know, the defense that we will talk about. But the Blue Jays bullpen came out and bailed out their starter, which is something they did often in April back when Sun Quan O and John Axford were on his team they could go out and bail but it was interesting to see the different names come out last night to bail it starting with Jake Petrica who again I I think we've pretty much written out Jake Petrica as a fan base just saying like okay you're you're too wild you're giving up too many fly balls when you're a ground ball pitcher thanks for coming good luck in the in minor league free agency but Petrica went out there and he looked a lot more comfortable. You know, maybe it is with the time off. Maybe it is the the faith that John Gibbons was showing in the right-hander. But his fastball looked so much livelier last night than it has in previous appearances. And when Jake Petrica is able to get that screwball-like movement on his fastball, the way it tails away from left-handed batters. If he's able to do that regularly. That's when Jake Petricka can be effective. Much like he was last night. Three strikeouts in two innings. Only gave up the one hit. Was again in control of the situation he had on the mound. And just not getting away from it. Didn't allow a fly ball last night. Got, got all his non-strikeout outs on the ground. And... Yeah, it was a little wild, that that plunk where he managed to hit DJ Stewart on the back foot, which very hard to do. Very nice bonus points for he being able to go behind the front foot and plunk him. But, again, Petrica did battle control a little bit, but was in control for the most part. 66% of his pitches were in for strikes, and the Blue the Orioles batters weren't able to do anything with it. And that set the tone and moved forward throughout the guys who came out, Jose Fernandez, the rookie who's getting a long look as a potential lefty option next year, really starting to solidify himself as a threat to make this team in 2019. And the blue Jays would love to have a second lefty in the bullpen next year. We've, we've already kind of penciled in Tim Meza for a permanent lefty role next year and avoiding the Buffalo shuttle. But Jose Fernandez has a strong chance to make that opening day roster. I think when I was talking with Jen Smith uh, at baseball, Jen on Twitter, giving my preliminary uh, 2019 Blue Jays lineup, Jose Fernandez made that cut. Even if he is in that Mesa role where he gets shuttled back and forth to Buffalo, Fernandez has, has taken the opportunity he's been given in September and run away with it. He's, his ERA is at 129 for the month. He only needed seven pitches in his inning, Just remarkably efficient when he went out there. And, you know, it, again, it's huge to be able to do that and and give the Blue Jays, like, a, a, a more certain option as opposed to just running through, like, oh, just is Justin Schaefer ready? Can we expect... David Polino to transition. Do we have to keep Mark Leiter? Jose Fernandez is giving the Blue Jays some certainty in that they do have lefty help in the farm if needed. They don't have to go out there and search for for a minor league deal for, for a guy like Janichi Tozawa or something. And, or Tyler Clippard. And Tyler Clippard did well last night. I know a lot of fans are like, oh, no, Tyler Clippard in a hold situation. But Clippard did well with his clean frame, only gave up the one hit. And then everyone's favorite now Ken Giles just coming out and being electrifying as Ken Giles is wanted to do nine pitches eight of them were in for strikes and just completely blew away the the Orioles batters they couldn't do anything that the bottom of the ninth good luck just just completely overmatched it was it was fun like you you were confident that once Tyler Clippard got through his inning with just giving up a hit, you know, okay, this game is over. And, again, that's that's a nice feeling to have for the Blue Jays going forward in a guy like Giles who, again, still team control for another three seasons after this. It's going to be great insurance policy for the Blue Jays to have that certainty going forward as they try and rebuild this team. So, again, Sanchez needs to work on stuff in the offseason. bullpen. Great. Happy the bullpen did its job last night. Something that harkened back to April. We'll talk about the fielding issues that plagued both teams last night right after this break. All right, so I have no idea what the heck happened defensively last night. It was like watching Little League. And again, I've called the Orioles a Little League team this year, so I guess that makes sense. But for the Blue Jays to go out there on a on a relatively routine play in the bottom of the fourth inning, DJ Stewart lining a single into right field, and then Billy McKinney, I'm I, I'm hurt I'm hurt by what he did. I, I'm not sure how how you do that on, on just a single. Chris Davis lumbering around to score, and then Sanchez compounding it, and allowing uh, Stewart to essentially come around. It was a Little League home run for DJ Stewart. I I don't... Like, like that's the kind of play that the Blue Jays are like, okay, this game is done. They're going to give this one to the Orioles. And fine, that, that's the end of it. But of course, the Orioles accept that present, look at it, look at all the wrapping that the Blue Jays put on it, and just, like, drop it on the ground and smash it. And just immediately gave it right back with that top of the 7th. Like, Dylan Bundy was struggling to get through the 7th, but the the Orioles needed to have him out there, because their bullpen is worse than the Blue Jays' bullpen. And... Second, Paul Fry walked out there with the bases loaded. I'm like, we've torched this guy multiple times already. This is not going to end well for Baltimore. And granted, did not expect it the way it did because Paul Fry managed to allow all the inherited runners to score on a really, really bad throw from Steve Wilkerson at third base. Like, just absolutely skipped it on Trey Mancini like Justin smoke Justin smoke can pick that out Trey Mancini is no Justin smoke so really that should have been the inning the the inning should have been over while Dylan Bundy was on the mound when Devin Travis hit that ground ball to second but they could only get the one out and like like it's it's sad to see that for Baltimore and just have them completely give that away, and then you know, tie game. Lourdes Gurriel coming up, and he's he's the main batter to focus on. Lourdes Gurriel was doing his best to be a dynamic force in that game. Didn't always work. That steal attempt of second base. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have gone for it with check up, but he he went for it, didn't get it. But he he was that dynamic force in the second slot that I think he's getting more comfortable in, and can be that guy who gets on base a little more he has to cut down on strikeouts but that's something he can work on next season and if he can do that and get on base a little more like like get it up to about a 350 that that could be huge to have his speed on at that at that kind of regular basis to set up your justin smokes to set up your vlad guerrero juniors and give him all those tasty rbis but really the blue jays were very fortunate to get that game last night like like when you have a guy like Jonathan Davis who instantly gets on board with his speed, gets a hit, his second major league hit, steals second, you're like, all right, this is this is great. They're gonna they're gonna build on this. They're gonna maybe take the lead here. No, no, just wasn't gonna happen. They weren't gonna extend that lead because Davis came so far off the bag, and like you can't assume you're safe just because you can't see the pitcher's face. And he was late getting back to second and picked off. And that was an embarrassing pickoff. Like like that's the sort of thing, if you're going to be a speed option for this Blue Jays team, you have to be able to to be more aware of where you are on the base paths. So that that that's one of the main tick-offs of Blue Jays fans, these base running errors, like and, and earlier in the season when it was like Curtis Granderson, you had these, he's like, Granderson's not as fast as he thinks he was. So he's not going to be able to, to turn first to third on that shallow single into right field. But Davis just has to be a lot more self-aware of, of what he's doing as a base runner. I don't know if he's going to get another chance to do so next year. I think this was kind of the find out what he has at the major league level kind of cup of coffee especially with Anthony Alford still on the 40-man roster I think Davis would be expendable as they try to get other guys on there uh, like your Forrest Walls your Hector Perez is the guys who kind of need to be protected from that Rule 5 draft I think it's errors like that that are going to tip the scales for Jonathan Davis and sadly knock him off that 40-man so to see that was a bit disappointing but other than that Like I said, the Blue Jays got a gift win last night from a team that has been handing them out with with incredible frequency this year. And I I guess they just have to take it and and take the good vibes. It's a four-game winning streak for the Blue Jays. They can sweep the Orioles tonight. We're going to preview that game and what it means for tonight's starter for the Blue Jays right after this second commercial break. So tonight for the Blue Jays, they will be sending out Marco Estrada to face Jimmy Yacobonis, who... Okay, I'm pretty sure he was a reliever when the Blue Jays faced him earlier in the season. Yacobonis, a 7.22 ERA in nine games this season, so this will end well for Baltimore. I it's it's not fun it's not fun to make fun of the orioles anymore it's almost it's mean like i'm i'm, I'm trying not to kick them when they're down but you send out a guy like Jakob Bonus, who in looking at his baseball reference picture has he can't even grow a full goatee like it's not connected at all and this this is where i at where i have to use like like going after his looks because he's he's just not good for for yak yet like one solid outing of three innings or more this season that was against tampa bay on the ninth and the rest of them he's given up like at, at least three runs so the blue jays should be spotted a decent amount tonight and that should help marco estrada at least And what it's not going to be his final start but i do like John Gibbons shifting it around and giving Estrada the start against the Orioles as opposed to having him face the Rays tomorrow night. Because Marco Estrada needs something to build himself up. This is kind of the last chance for romance for Marco Estrada. He needs to go out against Baltimore and deliver a vintage Marco Estrada performance. I'm talking six, seven innings, minimal hits, minimal damage, striking out maybe five or six batters just to reestablish his value going into the offseason because the way he's been performing over the past month, like like you see guys like Sean Reed Foley and Thomas Pannone and Ryan Barucki going out there and delivering start after start. The weak links have been Sam Gaviglio, who swapped with Estrada, and Marco Estrada, who You know, in the four years he's been with this club, he's given the club a lot. And I appreciate John Gibbons actually giving like, all right, this is your chance to have one more solidly good start against a a team you should beat. Go out there and prove you can do it. And, you know, he's delivered a one quality start against Baltimore in three attempts this season. He only went four innings back in April. He went five and a third on August 20th. And just coming off the starts that he had this month, that six run outing against Miami, the eight run outing against the Yankees in the opener of that series, where he's the last Blue Jays pitcher to lose. Marco Estrada needs to go out there and and reestablish what he can he can do. Maybe going back to pitching on five days will help, but it it's something that Estrada is should be thanking the Blue Jays for, first of all, for for teeing him up like this, but it's an opportunity that he has to take advantage of if he wants to be pitching on a major league roster next year, instead of getting a minor league invite. Cause that ERA has climbed up over the past four starts. It was at 488 after that last Baltimore start. It's at 575 now and starters with 575 ERAs usually stay on the free agent market for a while. I floated the idea of maybe having Marco, serve as like that piggyback starter the way he's had his issues with the first inning this year but it, it's going to be of utmost importance for Estrada to show he can deliver five innings because that's that's what his calling card has been that's what he needs to do to keep that career going I mean I'm, I wouldn't be opposed if he retired as a Blue Jay I I don't think anyone else would be upset with that because Marco Estrada made his impact on Major League Baseball as a Blue Jay with his performances in the playoffs. But the way he's been pitching, he should not be a part of this rotation next year. He he probably should be serving as that kind of swingman. I I can't even say he can be like a Jorge de la Rosa the way the lefty's been reborn in Chicago as this makeshift closer. I can't say he can do that because you can't guarantee he will get a clean inning in the first frame. So yeah, I want to see Marco go out there, have a good day and, you know, just kind of recapture that magic. Cause I don't think it's going to come against Houston. So this is the last chance for for fans to appreciate good Marco, and then when he starts throwing the homestand against Houston, I think the fans will be able to just appreciate what Marco Estrada has done on a whole for Toronto. And I, I hope they give him a rousing ovation when he walks off that Rogers Center field, because it will likely be his last appearance for the Blue Jays. And he is just as important a member of those playoff run teams as Bautista, as Donaldson, as Edwin as as any of the starters of, of Hap in 2016, of Sanchez and Stroman. Marco Estrada played such a huge role in that, and I want him to get the send-off that he deserves because he will be remembered in Toronto for what he did to Texas. And, you know, anytime you can stick it in Texas's face, you're going to earn, earn forever credit from Blue Jays fans. So, that's what I'm looking for from Marco tonight. It's just one more ride one more performance and you know hopefully the younger bats will come out and give him that kind of cushion against a pitcher who probably should not be starting for any major league team relief sure jimmy yakobonis was good in relief but should not be starting at the major league level so that's where i'm gonna end today's episode on a kind of melancholic remembrance of marco estrada i didn't mean to get wistful at the end of this, but that's that's kind of where the preview is at this point in the season. And if you have thoughts about Marco Estrada, whether or not he is at the end of his Blue Jays tenure, let me know on Twitter at neoac18. We can have a fine discussion. Uh, I'll be on there tweeting about tonight's game, so hit me up. We can talk. We can have fun. Uh, follow the podcast at Locked On Jays and make sure you're subscribed on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever. Fine podcasts are made available for free. I can't say they're sold because this is not one of those premium podcasts. So subscribe on there. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Again, we're in the penultimate week. We're going to keep doing it daily for y'all and we'll keep doing it next week. And like I said, we're still formulating plans on what we're going to do in the off season. And we'll probably get into that more next week. But for now, We still have games to talk about, so I'm going to enjoy them while they last. So for everyone here at the Locked On Podcast Network and Locked On Blue Jays, I've been Ryan Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode, and y'all take care.